Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Corfcast. This is going to be episode three, I believe. Yeah, episode three. So in this one, this is a bit of a this is gonna be a bit of a personal one to be fair. It's gonna be about my real life struggles, just finding purpose, motivation, the stigma that surrounds mental health, especially with men. And yeah, I'm just yeah, just welcome welcome back to the channel. Thanks for tuning into the last one and the first one, obviously. So yeah, this is going to be a personal one, so hopefully it doesn't upset too many of you or upset me or whatever. But yeah, this has got to be something that's got to be spoke about and a lot of people wanted to see it. So I'm going to start with just when I was, when and where I was born and just go through my life from there and big moments in life or what's happened in my life, just so you guys can get a gauge of why, just why I'm affected with my mental health now. So I grew up, well, I was born in 1998, 2nd of May, so that makes me 22. I was born in Cornwall and I my life started in Falmouth. So I grew up in Falmouth, well, that's where my life started anyway, uh, living with my mum and my dad. I think I've only got maybe one memory of my dad being there and this is it's quite a funny one to be fair. Um he was leaving for work one morning and he must have always said bye to me in the morning and this morning for some reason he didn't and he just left for work maybe it was earlier than normal and I remember hearing him leave and I was basically I had a window up the top where my bedroom was and I looked down onto the driveway and I remember knocking on the window and I was crying because my dad didn't say bye and he had to come up and say goodbye to me but yeah it's funny just stuff like that that's my that's my only memory of my dad being at that house to be honest um, my mum and dad got divorced when I was two or three years old. Obviously, I can't really remember. Um, I don't. This hasn't. I don't think this has affected me in any way, really, because my mum and dad have pretty much for the whole time got on fairly well since they divorced, um, which has been good for me. So there's never been really any negative effects of it. Um, obviously, you can joke around and say, "Oh, it's good you get two lots of Christmas dinner, or you get two lots of presents," but you'd rather have your parents together. And I think anyone of my generation, especially people who I know now, who I'm friends with, it's more common for your parents to be split up than it is for them to be together. So it's not something that I had to go through by myself. There was a lot of other people who'd been through that growing up. So it's never really negatively affected me. Affected me, sorry. If it had a subconscious effect on me, I don't really know, to be honest. It's, it's one of those things that's hard to tell. Maybe... I don't know, maybe because I just know that they d got divorced. I don't want that to happen to me when I'm older. When I'm, If I get married, I want that to be the person I ideally spend the rest of my life with because it's just not nice to go through all of that to get divorced. and it, Things can probably get messy. I was just lucky that they didn't between my mum and my dad. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's really affected me much because it happened when I was so young as well. I can't remember it. All I've known really for my whole life is my mum and dad being separated. So when we were in Falmouth, me, my brother Sam, who's two years older than me, and my mum lived there for another couple of years. I remember my nan used to look after me a lot because my mum's a nurse and she'd be working night shifts and sleeping all day or she'd be doing like working in the day. So I'd be with my nan a lot, which is good because I'm close to my nan now. So yeah, that's that was probably a nice thing growing up. It made me close with more members of my family. So 
I started uh, St. Francis School in Falmouth when I was in reception, so that's like age four. Um, and from what I can remember of it, it was it was good. I made friends there, people who I then bumped into later on in life at secondary school, and we remembered each other, and it was really weird. But um, yeah, it was overall it was good from what I can remember being there. It was quite a big school for a primary school. I think there was over four hundred people. But yeah, it was good, and I made friends there. Obviously, I don't really speak to any of them anymore. But I I was friendly with a couple of them in secondary school still, and if if I seen them now, I'd still speak to them and say hello and have a catch up. Uh, but yeah, and then soon after that, we well, in, when I went into year one, so age five, we moved to Ponsnooth, and I went to Kennelvale School which is in Ponsnooth, which is still where I live now. Um, we moved over with my mum and my future stepdad, Keith, who's still my stepdad now. And yeah, it was nice to get to be somewhere different. Um, when I first moved there, I found it a bit weird because it was obviously a new place, new school, new surroundings, new people. Um, I remember me and my brother had these like up high bunk beds. We used to share the same room. So that was kind of funny. But yeah, it would... It was good. It was nice to move somewhere different and I've made a lot of friends here and it's just a really nice, just quiet village but everyone's really friendly. But um, yeah, it's been it's been good in Ponsnoof. My dad was living in, it was like a flat on the side of a house, almost like an annex in, in Falmouth. And I used to see him every other weekend and stayed out for the weekend and a couple nights in the week if I remember correctly or maybe it was like every other Wednesday or something. I can't remember but... I, s I still saw my dad a lot and obviously he only lived five, ten minutes away. So if I ever wanted to see him, I could go and see him. So yeah, it was it was still good. Um, I think this... I think this helped me, the fact that they lived so close. Because obviously if they lived far away and didn't get on with each other, I probably wouldn't have seen my dad that much. Because obviously I was living with my mum full time, pretty much. So yeah, it made it good. And also it made me and my dad probably really close as we still are now. It's like we're, it's almost like we're best mates, me and my dad. We get on really well. We've got the same sense of humour. If I shaved my head and didn't have a beard, I'd look exactly the same as him. So, yeah, we, yeah, we get on really well. My, uh, also, mum, mum and dad never stopped me or my brother from seeing either parent. So if we wanted to spend more time with the other one, then that's absolutely fine. So because of them getting on and... There, never, there was never any hostility between them. I think that helped a lot growing up because I know some people, close friends of mine, whose parents have split up and they, like, they all they have is bad words for each other. They haven't spoke since. And it's, it is sad to see because it probably affects them quite a lot. So, um, yeah, that's about, that was it growing up my first four or five years. So when I moved to the new school in Kennel Vale when I was five years old, um, there wasn't really anything I struggled with overly. It was, I almost found it like quite fresh, quite, it was nice going to a new school. It's a lot smaller. So obviously my first school, St. Francis in Falmouth, there was 400 people, a bit more than that, I think, in the whole school. At Kennel Vale and Ponsnoof, there was 80. So in my year group alone, there was me, I think four other boys and six girls, and that was it. So it was easy to just knit into those groups and just 
make like I just found it easy to make friends and some of those people I'm still friends with now from primary school so I've known them for 16 17 years and I'm still friends with them I still speak to them sometimes now um I still up until a year ago when I left the building site I still seen one of them every single day because I was working with him um and we we used to hang out all the time after school obviously went to the same school so yeah it was it's nice. I've made friends for life, probably, from that primary school. So, obviously, being a small school, it is good. And I feel like it probably made my development in terms of learning go even better than it would have because it's a lot more personal when there's only 11 of you in your year group. The teacher's got a lot more time for you. Um, there's less disruption in the class. There's less just stuff going on. So, yeah, it was it was good going to moving primary school. I think it was, it's definitely made me a better person now than if I'd stayed at one in Falmouth school. So when I was growing up, we like we used to go on a lot of holidays. Me, my mum, my brother, my stepdad, which was really nice. Um, it's obviously we're in a good position to do that. I had a, I had a good upbringing. Um, we lived quite comfortably, which was really nice. So. I don't, this doesn't affect me in a negative way. Well, not in terms of me being like, oh, I will go on loads of holidays and getting cocky about it or being a bit snobby about it or whatever because I'm far from that. But I think it probably has affected me because in a positive way and a negative way because I've got lo- like loads of good experiences. I've seen a lot of different places in the world, been to different continents. So for that reason, it was... It was amazing going on all of these holidays. And obviously, when you're th- that young, you don't really appreciate it as much as I do now because you don't understand the value of money. You don't realise how much these holidays cost. So um, in terms of negative effects, I think it's possibly negative effectively affected me because I've got these expectations now in my life about because I've been brought up so well by my mum and my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom now, it's given me these expectations in my life that I'm going to have to be like that for my kids, like take them on holiday all the time. It's good for motivation purposes, but also it can get me a bit down if I'm like over the last year, a couple of years when I haven't known what I wanted to do in my life. And I've been thinking, how am I going to provide this perfect life for my future family? But you've got to make sure you're good in yourself before you're trying to start a family or settle down with anything like that. So yeah, I've, it's started to affect me less now. But I still obviously think about it. I'd love to be able to do that for my kids. Like I've had done for my life. Um, obviously, my dad took me away as well. So yeah, it was. I had a I had a good upbringing. To be fair, so primary life, primary school life was all good. Um, I was just a kid without a care in the world, other than when I was next playing football or what I was going to do when school finished. So that was like, that was amazing. To be fair. Um, secondary school was I nervous about going to secondary school um maybe I was a bit apprehensive before but then you we had like the taster day or whatever it's called I think they used to call it stepping stones or something weird at my school like that but um with that it's we went into school and integrated with people who were going to be in our year group and I've got people who my mum was best friends with growing up and their like their children are my mum's godchildren or whatever so I knew a couple of people from other schools because of that so that made it easier for me because 
that means I could integrate their friendship group and they could integrate in mine. So it made us all like one big group of friends. So, and like, I've never had a problem with making friends. Like I'm quite a, just, I just get on with people. I'm a people person. Like anyone who knows me will probably tell me that. I've never like angry at anyone, never hostile towards anyone. So yeah, I've never struggled with making friends. And when I get to know people, I'd like to think I'm quite a, quite fun. Like I'm always cracking jokes and this, that and the other. So yeah, I've never overly struggled with that. Um, also the people I made, well, people I became close with in secondary school, they're still like my closest friends now without a doubt. I still see all of them like as much as possible, even though some of them are at university, even if I speak to them on FaceTime or just anything like that, group FaceTime, just chatting between us. I still make an effort of them because that was like the most important years of my life probably in terms of growing up, socialising. And yeah, I've made friends for life from secondary school. Um, at this point, when I was just transitioning into secondary school, my dad found a new girlfriend, which is now my stepmom. This was, to be fair at the time, this was sick because my stepbrother, Rory, is was... um my best mate growing up in school, primary school. We played football together for the same football team for a whole life. We did everything together. We, even secondary school, we are still best friends and we're still good mates now. And, but obviously he's my stepbrother now. So at the time we were both like, this is class. Like we're just going to be living with each other, best mates. And my brother and my older stepbrother were in the same year at primary school. So they were mates. So yeah, it was, it was good. That was like, that was a good point in my life. It was, we had like a lot of fun, but we used to get up to a lot of just mischievous things when we were all in the house together. But yeah, it was, it was funny. It was good. Um, so these, the, like in these first 12, 13 years of my life, these, like everything was a good experience. I enjoyed everything. I was really outgoing. Um, this was just, probably in some ways the happiest days of my life but I think a lot of people feel that way when you're younger you haven't really got much care like you don't care what's going on so some good good experience of those 12 13 years was lots of holidays obviously like I've mentioned my mum got married in Florida which was like amazing and my whole family was there and we went to Disney World and it was yeah that was a that was an amazing trip I also did a went on a football tour with the second with my secondary school Pemrin um, to Villarreal, which is a professional football club in Spain. So we went out there for a tour for a week and trained at their facilities and watched a game and just got to walk around Spain and just nice weather. Played good football. It was, yeah, it was nice. Um, I also started playing badminton in this time frame. Um, I was county champion for pretty much everything I could be county champion for in badminton and when I first started playing I think I soon realized and a lot of people around me soon realized I was very very talented at it and I could have took it to a very very high standard um I was also still playing football alongside this so every day of every week I was training whether it was badminton or football and then on the weekends, I'd sometimes have to go up country for a badminton tournament, um, usually bring home the gold. And um, then on a Sunday, I might have a football match. So it was hectic. I was battering myself. 
but I, I loved every minute of it. But it got to the stage, maybe when I was 14 or something, where I knew one of them had to be dropped. And I've loved football for my whole life and I've always played it. So I, I dropped out of playing badminton. And I remember my mum was very upset. She was crying. And looking back on it now, maybe I could have carried on and I probably would have got to like a really, really good standard. Um, but, you know, these things happen. We can't dwell on them. And I loved playing football and I loved it until I stopped playing it every weekend. And I still love it now, even if it's just going for a kickabout with my mates. But, yeah, so that was the first 12, 13 years of my life was just full of good experiences. I loved every minute. And when I got to about age 13, I think it was, this is when everything started to change for me. So within a couple of years of each other, both of my grand, both of my grandparents and my dad's side died from cancer. Um, I was very close to both of these as my dad used to live there for a little while when he was like in between houses and not in a relationship. And so whenever I was at my dad's, I was at my grandparents. We used to sleep in the lounge, me, my dad and my brother in this little small bungalow they lived in in Falmouth. But it was good. We like I was close with both the both of them. Um, we used to go there for to eat stew, my grandma's homemade stew every every week, once a week, and go for roasts on a Sunday when I was with my dad. So yeah, that carried on throughout my whole life, even when we when my dad wasn't living there. So I was very close to both both of them. Um, the also, my grandma used to come on a lot of trips with us. Like, whether we we used to go to Ireland quite a lot because my dad loves it in Ireland. We've been like to Cumbria, the Lake District, and my my grand always used to come. She used to love it. She used to love getting away with us, being with all the family. But my grandpa, he never came. I think the furthest he's ever gone was Blackpool on his honeymoon when he got married to my grand, and that was probably the only time he's ever crossed the Tamar Bridge. So. He was just in, in the fishbowl in Cornwall and he was there his whole life. He was he was a bit of a miserable bugger, but he meant well and like I still loved him. We still got on really well and yeah, I was still really close to him. But everyone in my family will admit that he was pretty miserable all the time or just moaning about something, stingy with his money, but that's, that's not a ne- uh, negative thing. But I think... Looking at it now and how my understandings change of these things, I think it's safe to say that my grandpa probably suffered with mental health issues, especially depression, but you just never spoke about it back then. It wasn't such a common thing to, well, for people to understand or for people to talk about. But I know me and my dad have spoke about this since, and we've just said that he probably was suffering with depression. And we don't know how much of a toll that took on his life and how much stress that added to him because it just wasn't talked about back then or he might not have even thought about it so it might not have affected him but yeah I can see that he definitely struggled with something in his mental health also in this space of two years um, at some point in between all this happening me and my stepbrother were walking to my dad and my stepmom's house in Falmouth and uh, a fully grown man he was a just a big bloke loads of tattoos and we didn't think nothing of it he walked up past us and then he just asked us to give him everything we've got and he had a he had a knife and a metal bar on him so he was armed and he was mugging us and like this probably affected me as well so 
it was just something you don't expect to occur when you're like 13 years old, 14 years old, and you're just like school kids walking up to your mum, well, yeah, to your mum and your dad's house or whatever. And we were literally maybe 20 metres away from our house. And yeah, I think that was a big turning point in my life as well. And this is where the whole toxic masculinity side of things come into play. Obviously, you're at secondary school. Everyone's going through puberty. Everyone thinks they've got bigger balls than everyone else. And like, I remember going into school with my stepbrother and people had obviously heard about it. Like it was in the paper about it. Like it was on the internet probably. Um, he did get sentenced in the end as well. He got five years because he mugged someone else. So fair enough. Um, but the thing is, this whole toxic masculinity side comes out where you walk into school um, and everyone's like, oh, I heard you got mugged. And you're like, yeah, well, yeah. As you as you know, there's no point asking about it, but yeah. And then they're like, oh, why don't you just fight him? Why don't you just punch him and like fill him in? And then it's like, we're literally 13 years old. This guy's a big bloke. And none of none of my mates back then would have tried fighting this bloke. They might have tried running away, but none of them would have tried fighting him. It's just this whole toxic masculinity thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why men don't speak up about their mental health because it's made to look like weak or not manly. But I think people should speak up about it more because it might let this toxic masculinity just sit on the back burner so yeah I think I realized later on in life that this space of a couple of years was the root of pretty much all my mental health issues and it just spiraled from there I guess so I remember the exact well not the exact day I can't tell you what date it was but I remember when my main anxiety symptoms first started so I remember I was leaving my house to get the bus to go to school and I'd just been for a wee in my house. And then as soon as I was walking onto the bus, I just felt like I needed to wee again, like really bad. Even though I'd just emptied my bladder, I hadn't drank anything since. Um, and this just spiraled out of control. I struggled to get the bus um, because I always felt like I was going to piss myself pretty much. Even though I know in my head that that's not going to happen. It's just this whole thing going on in my head that I am going to. Um, this, like, for example... Sometimes I've missed the bus on purpose. I remember we used to have the start of year assembly where everyone in the whole school would go in and sit down in the sports hall and have an assembly and just talk about just everything that was going to happen that year and how we did the last year, all of that type of stuff. And I remember missing the bus on purpose. So I obviously didn't have to get the bus. That was one worry out my head. And then I walked from Ponsnoof where I live and I walked out through all the back lanes and like out to Maeve, I know a lot of you won't know where this is, and then down to down past Asda into Pemrin to, to the school, which is a fair few miles just so I'd miss the assembly as well. I wouldn't have to sit in there. I feel like I need to just go for a wee. And this is just a lot of things spiraled from this when that just controlled my whole life. So all the way through my final years, of a couple of years of secondary school, this affected me hugely. Um... I still managed to do well in my GCSEs. I got 11 and a half GCSEs altogether, which I was I was happy with at the time, but I knew I could have got better grades than I did, even though that is a lot of good grades. But the few Cs I got, I could have got Bs or As instead. But yeah, overall, I was pleased with it. So this was when I had to transition to college. And deep down, I really wanted to do A-levels because I 
not to like big myself up or anything, but I had the intelligence to do them and do well in them. But because I didn't want to do all the exams, because of having to sit in the hall and with loads of people in there and my anxiety, I ended up doing a sports diploma. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoyed it. I've always been interested in sport and it was, it was very interesting. It taught me a lot and it probably helps me with this whole situation now by the stuff I learned from then. So yeah, I did enjoy it. Should I have done better? Yeah, probably. Um, also, my mental health at this stage was still, my anxiety was still very prevalent in my life and a big thing going on. Um, also, in my first year of college, I went through a breakup with my first girlfriend and obviously that hits you pretty hard when it's your first girlfriend. My attendance in my lectures wasn't very good. Um, I think it was on like 49% for the first year. So... I had a lot of issues with that because of my mental health and my assignments being like just it's just like a vicious circle so I'd maybe miss a couple of lectures and then I wouldn't know what to write in my assignments and I get behind on my assignments so yeah it was all I don't know it was all a bit of a just a nightmare to be honest my I still struggled obviously with getting the bus I wouldn't want to do it I somehow managed to get lifts off of people, whether that was my stepbrother or just friends or people I knew, and they'd pick me up from Ponsnooth or drop me back to Ponsnooth. And this is weird because I'd still, even now if I'm the passenger in a car, I'm, I still feel like my bladder's full and I need to go to the toilet really badly. Um, but it was better if I got a lift with someone who I knew than if I got on a bus with loads of people I didn't know because that would just, my anxiety would go through the roof then instead of being like semi-grounded, it would be off the charts. So yeah, this this was a bit of a weird phase of my life and just a bad phase in my life. Like for example, my mum was working at Trelisk and she'd start at Trelisk at like eight o'clock. And bearing in mind my first lectures didn't normally start to about nine, quarter past nine maybe it was. I'd get mum to drop me in before she went to work at like half seven and I'd walk from wherever she was parking and walk into college just so I didn't have to get the bus and people would always be like, why do you always come in so early? And I'd just be like, oh, I'll just get some work done. But they all knew that I wasn't doing any work really at college at that time. So yeah, that was a, I was always trying to cover it up from people and not talk about it. So yeah, it was a bit bit of a weird situation. Um, but yeah, that's just what I did. Obviously, people questioned it and I about why I wasn't getting the bus or anything like this. And I'd, I'd just say, oh, I've lost my bus pass. It's just a classic excuse. I've lost my bus pass. I was in the final year of college for most of this. So I was like, no point me buying a new one because I'm not going to use it for that much longer. I'll just get lifts whenever I can, even if it means I've got to get up a bit earlier. So yeah, that was... That was a weird time, and I I left college with decent grades. Um, I think I finished with distinction, distinction, merit. So it was nowhere near the highest grade I could have got, but it's still a high grade. But towards the end of college, I remember having two weeks left or maybe 10 days left of college, and I was 14 assignments behind. So yeah, as you can see, I, I did well for what I had to do. But uh, after I left college, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. Obviously, my anxiety didn't help because I, deep down, I probably wanted to go to university, but I knew I wouldn't be able to hack it because of my mental health. Um, I had an odd couple of jobs, like working in a shop. 
Um, but I got fired from working in a shop because I didn't complete my probation period because I had more than three days off in the first six months, which is pretty mental if you think about it. But yeah. And then one of my mates who I grew up with, he worked on a building site, just laboring. And he said he could get me a job for, I think it was seven fifty an hour at the time. But I was like, class, that's like 300 quid a week. And for my age at the time, that was more money than any of my friends were earning. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'm there. So I started working on the building site full time. It was The money was decent, but to be honest with you, the work was shit. It was just horrible. Like just moving stuff all the time or just sweeping a room that was then going to get dirty again the next, like in the next hour or two, just carrying big loads of timber from one side of the building site to the other. And we were on a big building site as well. But like I'm, I made friends there. I I got on with a lot of the people there. So yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't a negative time in my life. But it was just not what I wanted to be doing. Um, I got back with my first girlfriend. Um, so that was a good thing. I wasn't I wasn't exactly happy with my life, but I was content with it, just passing by as I was comfortable. So that's, pro- that's not a great thing, but. Yeah, I was content with being comfortable, which I now know is probably not the best thing to do. So I got fed up of being on the building site. And when I was 19, I think, I decided to apply for a university college, a university course at Truro College. So this was a degree in exercise, health and fitness, which was very broad. Um, It covered different subjects from nutrition to anatomy, physiology, strength and conditioning, it was very, very broad, so it wasn't specialised to any one thing, but I definitely learnt a lot then, and yeah, but halfway through the year, my first year at university is when everything took another turn for the worst and changed a lot. Um, my mum came into my room one day and I was playing I was playing on my PlayStation or something or watching something on TV, and she said she needed to talk to me, and I was like, oh, I'll just speak to you in a minute, and then she was like, no, I need to talk to you. So I turned it all off and my mum started getting upset and basically my mum had been diagnosed with lymphoma which is cancer of the blood and there's no cure for this so with other tumours and cancers you can get chemotherapy and the cells can disappear but with lymphoma when it's cancer of the blood there's no there's no way of treating it to get rid of it but it's treatable in terms of you can prolong someone's life with it but yeah you can't get rid of it so obviously when this first happened I was in bits and I didn't really know how to deal with it because a lot of the time my mum's been the person I've always spoke to about my mental health and bad things going on in my life and now she had such this cloud over her life I felt like I couldn't talk about any of these things, so I probably bottled it up more in myself because I didn't want to put her under more stress. And obviously, when you first hear the cancer word, your immediate thoughts is, oh my God, like, they're going to pass away within the next year. But you, with lymphoma, people people have lived with it for 20 plus years, but there's a lot of different stages and different types. So my mum's healthy now. She's She still cycles. Um, she still listens to me vent about all my problems and um, yeah she's still healthy she's just exactly like she was she's normal Um, her lymph nodes had actually gone down when she last went to see her specialist which is positive 
So there's no talk about any treatment yet. Um, but yeah, that was a big turning point in my life. And I think it just changed everything. And I remember emailing my tutor and explaining the situation. It might have even been my mum that emailed her because obviously I I took a week off or something because it was a lot to deal with. And I remember going back into college and my tutor didn't speak to me about it. She didn't ask if I was all right. She was just asking me about assignments and stuff like that. And it was kind of at that point, I just thought, nah, I'm not really about this. I was getting fed up of her and it affected my mindset and my focus and everything. And then I had my exams coming up in the May of that year. I planned for all of them, been revising, did mock essays, stuff like that. And I was, I was pretty well prepared for all of them. Um, however, I emailed my tutor a month before probably telling her about my anxiety and not wanting to sit in the hall with other people and if I could do it in a private room. And basically she said she couldn't do anything. And I was like, sweet. She was like, you should have let me know a few weeks ago. So I was thinking, all right, great. Um, so yeah, it got to the day of my exam and I just didn't turn up, just didn't go. Um, and yeah, that was, yeah, I just didn't go. And she obviously messaged me like, why have you done this? And I just said, look, I said to you about getting me a private room by myself where I can do it. I'll be able to concentrate more. I won't be pranging out the whole time and she said she couldn't do anything about it. So yeah, I think everything that happened in that year and then just my relationship with my tutor in the end being quite a negative one, it just, yeah, it just made me just not feel good about the whole situation. So when my first year of uni finished or I stopped going for my first year, I went back to work on a building site, which was supposedly just going to be for the summer, and then I'd head back to uni. But after thinking about it for the couple of months that I was on the building site, I thought, you know what, I don't want to go back to uni because it's just obviously not for me, and I'm struggling with my mental health still a lot. So I ended up staying on the building site for probably almost another two years. Um, and yeah, this was, it was just me working that dead end job again. And then stuff happened on the building site all linked to that toxic masculinity again and um so I remember one time someone who worked there was like a like a delivery driver almost and I they asked me to go to another site in St Moore's and I was in Fiox so it was a bit of a long drive and I basically just said to him I was like look I'd, I'd never told anyone on the building site about this and I said look I can't come and um I yeah I just couldn't come so I explained everything that I was a bad traveller and didn't want the whole anxiety and the symptoms of it. So, um, yeah, that was how it was. And then, so this whole toxic masculinity thing came back into it where my boss at the time, well, the, the site manager, let's say, he found out about this, obviously, because the delivery driver went to tell him just to say that he needed to take someone else. And I remember he came down to me and I was doing, just helping the blockies out down at the bottom. And he he came down and he was like, oh, anxiety, that's a good excuse for not wanting to go and do something. That's a, just like, you could have thought of something better than that if you didn't want to go, just being lazy. And I was thinking, like what are you on about? Like, you literally don't know anything about my life. You don't know anything that I've gone through. 
and you're trying to say that I'm making an excuse about it for not wanting to just being too lazy to go on a drive to St. Moore's. And like, this was just completely mental to me because it's just, this just affected me hugely because it made me not want to open up to anyone about it anymore. Um, I remember another time when there was another site in Fioc and they wanted me to go there. And then I was on the top, the top of the house on the scaffolding, clearing some stuff up and they were all down at the bottom. There was probably like three or four of them. And my site form was like, oh, well, Alex really won't want to go because he feel like he's going to wee himself in the car. And then, like, his few little mates around him who'd worked for the company for quite a long time were all just, like, like laughing and being like, oh, that's so weird. And I, just, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm fed up of this. And then um, that's just one thing that really, really annoys me about people, even now, when they just try and make a joke out of things like this because it's... If they'd experienced it, they'd know it's nothing to joke about. Um, also, I split up with my girlfriend in this time period too. And also my family dog. We had her for 13 years, I think. So I'd grown up with her and we had to get her put down and I watched her being put down and this was like quite horrible, to be honest. But um, yeah, and then in November last year, 2019, I was involved in the car crash and I was coming down a dual carriageway in the outside lane and then the traffic slowed down in front of me and I had wet shoes where it had been raining all day and I was like went to hit the brakes slowing down in front for the cars in front of me because it was starting to queue and my foot slipped off the brake and I hit the accelerator and smashed into the back of a car and wrote my car off wrote her car off and yeah this was at the time I was like just in shock and like everything was blurry and I felt a bit faint and yeah I was just hoping that the woman in the car in front of me was all right but this was the moment as well when I came to terms of that I in fact was I was just very depressed as well because um wh- like when this all happened like I've I've never wanted to take my own life or anything like that. I've never thought about it. I've never like wanted to do it. But I remember thinking like if I did like if something serious did happen in that car accident I did die, I would have I wouldn't have like it wouldn't have affected me. Like I wouldn't have, I was thinking about it and I was like I wouldn't have cared really, which is very that's when I realized that I was actually in a very depressed state at the same time as my anxiety. So I was getting upset a lot at this time I was like a lot as my life seemed to be rubbish at this time. I was doing a horrible job. I had no sense of self-fulfillment. My only escape over these cu- couple of years was the gym, which probably saved me from spiraling and being even worse than I was anyway because it kept me focused. It's just training and exercising is works wonders for your mental health, as, as I've spoke about before. And as many of you know, um, I was seeing a private counsellor um she was really really nice my mum sees her for something called shiatsu which i'm not really sure what it is but she is also a counselor and my mum recommended going to talk to her and she was really nice it was good we got on really well i'd definitely suggest going to a private counselor if you can afford it like i was paying 40 pounds a week but it was worth it so yeah that helped and then probably in february march time this year is when i hit rock bottom and 
I think for the first time in my life, my depression had overtaken my anxiety levels and I had no interest no interest in doing anything. Um, I had a meltdown and after speaking to my mum and weighing up the options, I decided to book a doctor's appointment and just get medication because I'd been, I've tried counselling, I've tried other things and I always just kept spiralling after a while. So yeah, I decided to try some medication and get some antidepressants and I got um, prescribed sertraline. So, and then I started taking this and then shortly afterwards is when lockdown happened, the first lockdown. And I kind of made a promise to myself that I'd never step foot on a building site again because I hated it so much and it was just affecting me negatively in such a massive way. And I just thought I needed to sort myself out and lockdown, was it good or bad for mental health? I think it was both because obviously you can't see your friends or anyone, which is a big negative for me. But um, my brother was down. He ended up being home for like three months and he lives in Worcester where he works. So that was nice. So that probably improved my mental health a lot more than if he wasn't there. And the weather was amazing. So it was always sunny and I always feel better when it's sunny. I hate winter. I love summer. Um, Also... I guess it was negative because I couldn't go anywhere really at all because of mum's illness making it a high risk. Um, in this time frame, also up my medication to 100 milligrams as I wasn't noticing too much of a difference. So, yeah, it was obviously hard to notice a difference in lockdown because you, it's not normal. So, yeah, you don't really challenge yourself. Um, this is when the start of the core file being page started. Um, and I thought about designing an app, podcasts, and all in all, this has probably changed my life because I've realised it's something that I want to do and this is something I'm passionate about. Um, so yeah, and then I stopped drinking a couple of months into lockdown, which has made me feel a hundred times better. Because um, at the start of lockdown, I was getting steaming with my mates on FaceTime and just being a bit mental. Um, and I was drinking quite a bit before we went into lockdown. So yeah, it was good to stop drinking. It's made me feel a lot better. I was gardening for a couple of months with two of my mates as this was when the lockdown was lifted so like probably over a couple months like august september and yeah this was this was good like it has a lot gardening is shown in studies to have better more positive effects on your mental health than even exercise does so that was good for me to start doing that and it was it was really nice weather when we were gardening too so we've got a healthy tan just with my mates all the time um we were outside, obviously, good money, better money than I was on the building site. And But then for some reason in around August, September time again, probably September, I started feeling a lot worse than myself again. So I rang the doctors again and I upped my meds again to 150 milligrams, which is what I'm on now and I'm still on. And I do feel a lot better. I don't have a like negative mind state like I did. My anxiety still affects me, but the whole just feeling down all the time side of it, it's gone. So that's a big positive. Um, and then I made a decision just to go for it with the podcast and it's the best decision I've made. It's had a huge positive impact on me and just made me feel really good about things. I'm doing something to help people. I'm doing something that I enjoy doing. So yeah, I'm really chuffed with it. So like, I basically, I just stay motivated by thinking about all the t- like how I used to feel and how I feel now and not wanting to go back to how I used to feel. And also I think 
if you like I don't I don't go to the gym or train or anything like that so I can look good in summer when I take my t-shirt off at the beach and impress people just because it makes me feel good like it's being fit and being healthy is amazing and it's helped me so much and it would help anyone a lot if they're struggling with, with anything in their life it's just up there with the best things to do for your mental health so that's how I stay motivated and I think if you even when you feel like you don't want to do something your main motivation should be from yourself so if you can't be motivated in yourself then no one else is going to motivate you and nothing else will so that's how I look at it um obviously my anxiety still affects me from doing certain things um I my counselor used to say that my prob- my main problem is that I think to the future too much and overthink everything so I'm never living in the present um it means that so say someone said something like oh do you want to go on holiday next year before me being like yeah that'd be sick I'd be like already planning out what could go wrong on the holiday um the plane journey if I had to get a bus anywhere just everything I'd just overthink so much and yeah this makes me this makes it this obviously affects my anxiety because I overthink too much um I don't find it difficult to socialize but if I was for example when I was still drinking I'd rather socialize at a pub where it's like just not really crowded like a club and there's loads of people in there and it's people being weirdos and I'd rather just be soci- sociable with my friends in a pub having to laugh. So yeah, there's things that make me feel more comfortable than others, but I don't find it difficult to socialise. Um, I think starting this page and this podcast and just finally realising what I want to do with my life has been my biggest accomplish- accomplishment in my life so far. It's just finding something that I can enjoy that I could hopefully turn into a career one day and just opening up to everyone about my issues and trying to help others open up. That's quite a good feeling. It's quite rewarding. And once you've got it all out there on the table, you know that no one can judge you anymore or no one can say anything because everyone knows. And they can, because they know the details of it now after this podcast, so they won't think anything of it. Um, but yeah, I hope this has given you a big insight into my life. It's never easy talking about these things. But trust me, if you do have something to talk about or you're bottling something up, talking about it helps so much. I would advise anyone to just talk to their loved ones. Um, That's just what I want to do. I want to inspire people to open up and if they're struggling, just talk to people, man. Like We're losing way too many people as you said, not wanting to open up from fear of judgment and like the male suicide rate is so high because obviously it's not seen as manly to have mental health issues or cry or get upset so but yeah I'd like to encourage people to talk a lot more than they do and it's so sad that we're losing a lot of people young people older people just to taking their own life because they can't talk about things that are affecting them like there's been a lot of people who I've got mutual friends with and they've taken their own life in lockdown just because it's just it's just mental and I think the world needs to talk about it more and just stop people from having to feel like the only way out is to do these things so yeah thanks for listening to that one um obviously like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube tell a friend to tell a friend share it up and I'll be back with a new episode soon thank you very much